0: Good evening, Lake Church. Good to see all of your smiling faces and to be together tonight. And welcome to those that are watching online and joining with us as well. We are so glad that you are all with us and that we can just worship the Lord together. What a beautiful gift that is. So we do have a few things going on. Here in the next couple of weeks, do not forget about the Lake Church Classic. Um, you need to pick a, team, a teammate because it's a team of two, okay? And it says Scrabble Best Ball Tournament. So I guess if you play the game, you know what that is, hopefully. If not, just show up with your partner, and you'll figure it out, won't you? <laughs> so you'll, you'll know at the time. And then there's Fellowship and Lunch Following at Lake Church. It is on Saturday, the 15th of October. And the cost is $65 per person. They also only have limited space for 22 two-man teams. Um, so uh, it's important that you register as quickly as you can. You can do that on, online at lakelashchurch.com and get registered for that and go from there. So do not wait. If you've not registered yet, go ahead and get on there and do that to ensure that you do have a spot. I think that will be a good day of fellowship and a lot of fun for you. Also, don't forget that we do have coming up our Arise Conference, hallelujah, which is October 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. It's always a good time to be together in the, in the presence of the Lord and just receive so many things that are going on. Um, 7 p.m. nightly, that's a Sunday through a Wednesday night. Uh, and there's also daily sessions on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, starting at 10 a.m. right here in the auditorium. So we hope that you can make that. That. Do your best to plan to be here. It will be a good time in, in fellowship together with the Lord. Hallelujah. Also, that week, at the end of that week on the 22nd of October, it is going to be a night of worship with someone named Dave Bell and his team. He's from the UK. And the, it's gonna be here in the main six, sanctuary at 6 p.m., and it is open to everyone. So keep that in mind as well as we wind down from a rise on that. Okay, also the church bulletin is available, it is out on the app. You can download the church center app, then you will search for Lake Church. Now, the first time that I did it, it popped up with a question that said, "Churches in your area, after you entered in the zip code. And I was able just to push it, and right there, all the Manford Churches popped up, and I was able to pick Lake Church that way. And I've not had to pick it since. So it's probably just the first time that you, that you get on the app. But if you'll go there, you'll see, I believe it was down on the bottom right-hand side. It'll say Bulletin. You can click there and get more specific details, or maybe something that, you know, was annou- uh, announced differently than you thought. You can go there and look or whatever. So that's where you will find your bulletin. And then um, we're going to just transition into giving. So don't forget that there's several different ways that you can give. You can give on the seat back with the envelope. You can do cash, credit card, or check information. All of that is available on the card, uh, back of that card there. Then you can also do it online at lake-church.com. You can also text to give, and you can also do it through the app. So there's plenty of different ways. Whatever works for you, wherever you are, whatever's convenient and easy. If you have one bar um, on your phone, you can still possibly text to give, you know? So hey, there's no, there's no limit to where you are. So you can give anywhere, anytime, any place as the Holy Spirit is directing you, and whatever works for you, amen? But the important thing is that you're doing it. You know, I want to remind you that when we give we are proclaiming the gospel the Bible tells us and that we are called to do that and did you know that just because you may not stand up and you may not teach or you may not preach that there are many other ways that we can proclaim the gospel. The Bible says that we're one body and so just like our body works together uh, we need every single part of it. Well, we need every single part of the body of Christ. We need those that are givers, those that can minister whatever your your, uh, Gifting and your talent is—that's what we need to proclaim the gospel. So when you're giving, even if you don't get to go on a mission trip, or even if you don't get to to help out at the camp that we have every year for the youth, you're still being a part through your giving. And did you know you can still declare the blessings of the Lord over that? So when Pastor Bob and I give, even when we can't physically be there, we say, "Lord, we thank you that this produces in the kingdom of God, and we call it into the kingdom, even though we were not necessarily the one standing." up and doing all the work, it seemed like. So I want to encourage you with that because you may be able to find a way that you can give even though you cannot be there for whatever reason that that there may be. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we will get started tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight for this opportunity to be together, for this opportunity to give and to be children of your word and doers of your word. Lord, we thank you right now that as we sow into the kingdom, that it produces, Father. We thank you right now for lives that are changed, people that are saved. Lord, we thank you that the kingdom of God goes forth because we plant. And so, Lord, we know that it also must produce in the natural because we are operating according to kingdom principles. And so we thank you for it, Lord. Right now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. It's good to see everybody tonight. Amen. Well, I'm excited to get to share with y'all tonight, share the Word of God with you. Before we do, though, let's stand and just begin to enter into an awareness of His presence tonight, just to give Him glory and praise. Hallelujah. We're here for an encounter with God tonight. Here to encounter and experience our true Father. Father, we just acknowledge your presence in this place. We just thank you, Father, that you are willing and excited to move among your people tonight. And we just thank you, Father God, for the great love that you demonstrated for us by giving your Son to redeem us, Father God, back to our rightful place as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, Father God, and to restore to us... Uh, Our ability to exercise dominion in the earth, Father God, to cause your kingdom to be manifest, Father God, to show the superiority of your kingdom, the kingdom of light over the kingdom of darkness, Father God, to release healing, to release deliverance, to release salvation, Father God, in the lives of your people, which you've already provided by grace through the finished work of Jesus, Father, I just pray. Regardless of the evidence that we see in the natural, we thank you, Father, that your word is truth, that your word is forever settled in heaven, Father God, and we declare your word tonight so that it be established on earth in the lives of your people, Father God, and that we be empowered, encouraged, Father, to go out and take the life-giving message of the gospel to the dark places of our world, that we would go and shine the light Father God, in this dark world, Father God, and pull people out of deception, Father God, that the enemy has caused to come upon their lives. And we thank you, Father, that the church is the light of the world, Father God, and that that light cannot be extingu- extinguished by darkness. And we thank you for it, Father God. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, Father God. We thank you that it's the most precious commodity in all of the universe in all of the ages father god and we just give you glory we just thank you for your goodness father god we give you praise we worship you we glorify you we magnify you tonight we exalt you you are worthy of all praise you are worthy that every breath that we breathe would be a praise unto you father god we thank you lord we give you glory Hallelujah. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for revelation knowledge. Hallelujah. That sets us free, transforms our mind, causes us to walk in the reality of Jesus, Father God. Hallelujah. We give you praise. Oh, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Yeah, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to stir yourself up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah hallelujah yeah this is your time to interact with him thank you lord we give you praise We tap into the river, Father God, that's flowing out from the throne, Father God. Right now, that river of life that flows out of our innermost being, Father God, from the throne of God that brings life everywhere it goes, Father. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you that it is finished. Hallelujah. We thank you that it is finished. We stand in the victory of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, that he defeated and disarmed the devil and all principalities and power, and we stand in the reality of that defeat tonight, and we declare victory in the name of Jesus in every area of our life. Father, we put on the full armor of God that we may be able to stand against the lies of the devil that he tries to shoot at us. We just lift the... The, the shield of faith, and we just deflect every lie, Father God. I thank you that we have on the helmet of salvation, that his uh, lies, his deceptions cannot penetrate the fabric of our soul, Father God. And we just give you glory for it. We thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for freedom. Hallelujah. We thank you for freedom tonight. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Man, I was just reminded as we were praying that of John chapter 8 where Jesus was speaking to the Jews who had believed on him. So they were already believers. And he said to them that if you'll continue in my word, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. You know, I know a lot of us with charismatic and Pentecostal backgrounds. You know, we, uh, <clears throat> we were kind of trained in looking to the supernatural act of God that delivers you. But listen, even if you receive from a gift of the Spirit, liberty, you know, deliverance, you have to walk in that through the truth of the Word of God. I have found that the greatest way to have deliverance is just through the Word of God. The highest level of receiving from God is simply by faith in the Word. Listen, because once you get revelation knowledge of the Word, the devil can't steal that. In fact, that's what the armor of God is. It's revelation knowledge about your identity in Christ, your position in Christ which is exactly the only way that the enemy has the ability to have access to your soul so that he can cause you to begin to think wrong, to begin to believe his lies and believe his deceptions, which then causes you to act wrong and to play right into his hand, to believe things about yourself that aren't even true. I mean, if you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. All the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. The enemy's got to get you to believe a lie before he can actually have access to your life. And so tonight, I just wanted to share with you, I found out today I was going to be doing this message, and, you know, I really, I feel like, um, you know, Pastor has covered the Blessed Hope, you know, extensively, Jesse covered it last week, and he did an awesome job. I know you were blessed. I listened to that. And I just thought, man, I just felt like the Lord wanted to do something else. And I, I've been kind of thinking about here lately that we, are, we have moved into the fall feast days of the Lord. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about the prophetic significance of that. And so I was looking at the calendar, and today is the Day of Atonement and so I got to thinking about it I thought, man, I, just, I really want to talk about uh, the reality that Jesus has provided for us that the Day of Atonement represented. So I wrote down a few thoughts. I want to read these to you just as we get started. <clears throat> but today is Yom Kippur to the Jews, which is better known to us as the day of atonement, which that's what Yom Kippur means, Yom is day Kippur is to atone um, which means to make a covering for your sins and uh, this was the annual day during the fall feast of the Lord that the high priest and we've heard a lot about this the high priest, it was the only day annually where the high priest would go into the holiest place to offer blood on the Ark of the Covenant, which is what the The graphic symbolizes there. And uh, take the blood of the sacrifice in there and offer it unto God in the temple to atone for, this is significant, the unknown sins of the nation of Israel. In fact, it says sins of ignorance. Did you know that you sin all the time without even knowing about it? We have known sins and we have unknown sins. Thank God Jesus covered them all. Let me say that, let me say that wrong. I'm saying covered because of this. He removed them all. (laughs) That's the difference from the old covenant to the new, is their sins were covered. And because it wasn't permanent, they had to be covered and covered and covered and covered and covered covered repeatedly. But Jesus came and he removed our sins. David prophetically talked about that when he said, You've removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Turn to Colossians two. You know, a lot of times I think believers, if you haven't really studied this very much, a lot of times believers will think, Well, what do the fall feast or what do the feast days have to do with me? I'm not a Jew. Um, But the feasts of the Lord were actually prophetic pictures of things that Christ would give us the reality of. Let me say it like this. They were shadows of which Christ is the substance. So everything that those things were talking about in picture form, we have the spiritual reality of those things now through Jesus Christ. So in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, that's what he's talking about here. He says, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So that's a feast day or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The reason that we're not commanded to observe, them, now there are people who observe those, and you know, I'm, I'm not against that. I do pay attention to them because of the significance of what they teach me about what Jesus accomplished for me. It's, it wasn't just the simple observance of the days, it was the revelation of what those things were pointing to. They were shadows of good things to come, which God had planned before the foundation of the world. But when Jesus came, he, was the sub, he gave substance to those things. And now we have the ability to live in the reality of those things that God was showing that he was going to do for thousands of years as he was having them go and observe these feast days and things. But we have the reality. Just as they were looking forward to, we're looking back at these things. So when we come into these times, I'm thinking about those things. It's a reminder to me of everything that Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and his resurrection. And it encourages me to realize that I have the ability to live in the reality of what Jesus came to provide. Why his finished, his work is not ahead of him. His work is behind him. We're talking about a finished and a perfect work that has accomplished God's purposes, his will, and his plan for us from before the foundation of the world that's going to carry us on through to eternity future. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Colossians 2 reveals to us that the Feast of the Lord, even the tabernacle, and the sacrifices were all prophetic in nature. They were shadows and physical representations of the good things to come, of which Christ would be the substance. The prophetic shadow, here's, here's a really cool thing. The shadow had to be repeated for generation after generation after generation because it was just a representation of what was to come. But Christ brought us the reality of what these represented. We have not, I tell you what, we need to, when we talk about awakening, you know, we need to awaken. We need to awaken to what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. I hear so many believers talking about what God's going to do. I'm consumed by what God has already done. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We have to realize that we're not waiting on God. Now, I know in pastor's teaching, he's been talking about that we're watching Why? Because as far as the church is concerned, all of the prophetic things that need to be done for the return of Jesus are already accomplished. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're watching. Why? Because everything's fulfilled. But when are we going to awaken to the reality that everything is fulfilled for us to live in victory Not in glory when we get to the other side, but right here and now that we have been given the ability, the power, and the authority to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. When are we going to start awakening to these realities and start living in what Christ died and shed his blood and gave his life and offered himself to provide for us? When are we going to quit allowing the devil to lie to us and get us so focused on ourselves that we're not paying attention to the finished work that Jesus did to provide us with victory? I mean, he defeated the principalities and powers, disarmed them. The only way that the enemy can come against you is through deception, lies he's got to get you to believing something that isn't true so you use your authority to create something that isn't there man oh man pastor was talking about that sunday when he was talking about ephesians 6 and talking about the scheme of the devil there's only one that word is not plural it's singular There's one way through your mind, through causing you to think something different than what the Word of God testifies to be your truth and your reality. Amen? So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And this is teaching... About Christ's fulfillment of the Day of Atonement in the book of Hebrews. And actually, the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew, the Hebrew people. It was written actually to Hebrew believers and unbelievers alike because some things address the believers, some things address the unbelievers because they were still in Jerusalem, still fellowshipping with unbelievers, okay, still going to the synagogue. But his purpose in writing was to cause them to have revelation that moved them out of old covenant mindsets and into the reality of the new covenant and what Jesus had provided for them. Because only through revelation knowledge do we have the ability to partake of what Jesus provided. The devil plays on our ignorance. It's not called the kingdom of darkness for no reason. In the Bible, darkness represents ignorance. Ignorance just just means you don't know. So he wants to keep God's people in the dark. Light is revelation knowledge. The only thing the enemy can do, what he wants to do, is he wants to obscure the truth of what God has done through Christ. And the number one way he does it is through religion to get you into a process of trying to accomplish in your works things Jesus already accomplished in his finished work. (laughs) The only reason you're trying to finish his work is because you don't believe it's finished. I'm going to say that again. The only reason we're trying to finish those things is because we don't believe they're finished. So Hebrews chapter 9, stay with me, I'm going to kind of just move through some verses here. It says now, this is verse 6, He's just big, he has just in the previous verses described the tabernacle and all its furnishings. He's talked about the, uh, the menorah, the candlestick, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant. And right here he says, when these things, so this is talking about those articles in the the tabernacle, had been prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. So daily they went into the first part. I know we've taught on this before, but just in case there's people here that haven't heard it, the tabernacle had three parts an outer court and then a tent. Which had the holy place and the most holy place. The priest operated in the outer court in the first room daily. They would go in, they would trim the lamp, they would fill the, you know, you put the oil on it, keep the fire burning. These are things that we do as New Testament priests. We keep the fire of the Spirit burning in our life by constantly tending to those things you got the the uh, table of showbread which represents the word of god right. and the lamp illuminating the word is revelation knowledge that only holy spirit can give to you right. which causes you to gain revelation and move to the next piece which is the altar of incense which is worship you can only truly worship out of revelation right. Right. So worship isn't worship isn't singing it's a form of worship. Well, worship is anything you do as unto the Lord. Okay, only revelation knowledge can move you into the place where from a pure heart, not out of some kind of obligation or religious duty or something like that, out of a pure heart, you begin to live your life by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit out of revelation. And then the Ark of the Covenant, which was the place where the glory of God dwelt. Okay, so in this time period, they could only go in there one day a year. And that was to offer the blood on the Ark of the Covenant for the sins of the nation. So I'm I'm talking about it. Let me read this. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins in ignorance. That means unaware. You know... People get this idea that by their actions, they can grow in righteousness, okay? That our righteousness, that we actually uh, grow in how righteous we are in God's sight by the way that we live, and what, when we perform better, we're more righteous. And uh, the problem is, is they, don't ta- they think, if I can just get all the sins out of my life, And live right, then I can become more righteous. The problem is, is that you have sins you know about, but you have sins you don't know about. Because not being who you were created to be is sin. (laughs) That's why the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's God's perfect standard. Who is God's perfect standard? Jesus. So if you're not lit, here's the thing. If you're going to be made righteous by your performance, how how good do you have to perform? (laughs) If you want to be perfectly righteous in the sight of God, then you have to perform perfectly. Wow. That's incredible. I'm just going to let you digest that one for a minute. And uh, so... There were, they, they would daily, here's the point, they would daily bring sacrifices when they sinned and they knew it, and they would offer a sacrifice because of their sin. But the problem is we don't always know all of our sins, so there was one day a year when they made a sacrifice that covered everybody's sin that they were unaware of, so that the whole nation could stand favored in sight of God. And that's what this day is all about. It's about that event. And it says it says that the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Here's the thing: the tabernacle, if you want to sum up the teaching of the tabernacle, here, here's, here's what it was. It was an object lesson that said this: no access. That was the whole point is you have no access to intimacy with God because that's what the holiest place was all about. It was about coming face to face with God, which is the way we were created to live in his presence. Eden means presence. God created mankind. He put him in the garden of Eden which is the garden of his presence. In Hebrew, there is no word for presence. It's face. Oh. Wow. So when the high priest went in, it actually says this. When he went in to make atonement on the day of atonement, he stood face to face with God and made atonement for all of the sins of the people. But the key, the teaching of the old covenant was you have no access because you couldn't go in there and make atonement for your sins. Somebody else had to do it for you. And that was the thing that it was showing us is the high priest was just a, a symbol of Jesus, our great high priest. Oh. And as long as that system was still in operation... It was telling us, you have no access. You have no access. Let's drop down to verse 11. It says, but Christ. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's, always great, that's always a great way to start a verse out. <laughs> so for uh, millennia, they had no access to God. They were shut out, separate. Had no access to have intimacy with the presence of God. They couldn't experience his glory. Um, But Christ came as high priest. I'm going to say that again. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Remember in Colossians we read that they were shadows of the good things to come? Well, Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, and not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. Oh, man. I don't think you got that. He entered into the most holy place, not the one created here on earth, Once for all people, for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. (laughs) Having obtained eternal redemption. You know, we have these words, we hear these words in church, redemption. I'm not sure we understand what we're talking about. I'm not sure we understand what we're talking about. If I ask you to tell me what redemption means, probably a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about that. But let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Stay there in Hebrews 9 as well, but we're going to come so we're going to come back to it. But check this out. Eternal redemption I want to read in verse 13, starting in verse 13, but listen to this. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Here it is. The forgiveness of sins. So redemption is the forgiveness of sins, Based on the blood of Christ that was offered in heaven in the holiest place on our behalf once for all. So if redemption is the forgiveness of sins, then he has attained for us eternal forgiveness of sins. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Take that devil. (laughs) <laughs> Take that! He has obtained for us eternal forgiveness of sins, not covering for the next year. Eternal forgiveness of sins. Oh my goodness! And redemption is talking about paying, a, making a payment like a ransom. So his blood was given as a ransom to deliver us from the hand of the enemy by providing for us eternal forgiveness of sins. Because the only thing that ever separated us from God to begin with was sin. And not your sins, the original sin of Adam that caused us all to be born separated from God. But the last Adam came and provided eternal forgiveness of sins so we could have eternal, permanent access to the holiest place where the glory of God dwells. And in fact, it moved out of the tabernacle of Moses and into the tabernacle of the body of Christ. You are the holy of holies. You are the place where where the glory of God dwells. You are the place where the presence of God resides. You are the address of God in the earth. Hmm. The whole purpose of the forgiveness of sins was so that the Spirit of God could indwell the body of Christ on the earth and we could be walking tabernacles of the presence and the glory of God where we could take the light of the presence of God into the darkness places of the world. But we haven't believed it. We haven't believed that we have the ability to shine the light. Instead, we curse the darkness, and we just cause more darkness. Shine the light, and darkness will leave. Man, we got to learn to shine the light. Problem is, we, 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 we say we believe it, but listen... Uh, knowing in the Bible is not intellectual, it's experiential. So anything you say you know, but you're not doing, you don't know it. Anything I say I know that I'm not doing, I don't know it. What do I mean by that? I haven't embraced it as my identity. I may know what to say intellectually. Intellectually. I may know what this word says intellectually, but have I embraced it to the point that it becomes a part of me on a subconscious level where it becomes my identity and it's the way I see myself and so it's the way that I live my life. We have to realize, because here's the thing, the devil, he, he, this is all he can do is he points at your failures. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he tries to use your own performance as a way of causing you to disbelieve what God has done in your life. He has obtained for us eternal redemption. You know, I tell you what, I... <laughs> oh, man. Yes, D. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> You know, because I used to think my, my forgiveness was from this sin to that one. Oh, man. Well, I'm in, I'm, I'm in his graces right now, but oh, I just messed up. I just fell out. <laughs> Anybody ever live that way? I call that roller coaster Christianity. When, when you think you've been good that day, you're up on top. And you haven't been, but you think you have been. <laughs> and then when you know you've blown it, you're down, you're down here. And so your relationship with God is dependent on your performance. It's up one day and down the next. And you know why? Because you're not looking at what Jesus did. You're looking at yourself. The devil has diverted your attention away from the finished work of Christ, and he's put your focus on your actions, your performance, and your way you're living your life. And he got you. And he just blinded you to everything that Christ provided by his blood when he obtained eternal redemption for you. My goodness. Look at Hebrews, we're just to drop down to verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with the blood of another, He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, the end of the age, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Wow. He appeared once to put away sin. Man. We're so... um, Grace is so foreign to us in this world. And because I would say too, we live in the Bible belt. We live in home base of legalism in the United States of America. And we have been indoctrinated with a mixture of law and grace. Grace. And I said a minute ago that you think every time you sin, you fall from grace. Did you know the only scripture talks about falling from grace? The reason you fall from grace is because you are trying to justify yourself by your actions. (laughs) When you begin to try and justify yourself by your action, by law, you have, this is what it says in Galatians 5. You have fallen from, you have been severed from Christ, which is the anointed, and you've fallen from grace. Not by your sin, it's when you begin to trust in your own righteousness. That's when you get severed from what Christ has done for you and you fall out of the grace of God. If you understand right, every time you sin, you fall into the grace of God. If you believe right, if you believe right, you can fall into grace. But we're so indoctrinated religiously, religious Christianity has presented to us a mixture of law and grace, which the book of Galatians, the whole theme of it, is, is correcting that very, uh, that very mistake. I would say, probably not a mistake, but correcting that very thing to draw us out of looking at our own performance. And to get us focused back on looking at what Christ has accomplished for us. You know, when Paul, I'm just kind of going off here, but in Galatians 3, you know, Paul says, who has bewitched you? He said, before your eyes, Christ was portrayed as crucified. What was he saying? He was saying, your, your mistake is that you have forgotten You've quit looking at the finished work of Jesus, and now you've got into trying to go around by your performance and tie up all the loose ends that Jesus apparently forgot to finish. And the devil's got you. Because if he can get you bartering with God based on your performance, you lose every time. (laughs) You lose. Because you, don't have, you won't have the faith to believe God for the things that Christ has provided because you're not trusting in what he did for you. You're trusting in what you do for him as being the means of your qualification for whatever Jesus has provided. Mm. <clears throat> Put away sin under the old covenant shadow system. Their sins were only covered, but ours were removed. Mm. You, Jesus. Ours were removed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for the new covenant. Hallelujah for the new covenant. Boy, I tell you what, I'm glad that I am, was born on this side of the cross. <laughs> we're living in the greatest. Time there has ever been on the earth. But we've been duped. We've been lied to. We've been deceived. But I believe that light is bursting forth in the hearts and the minds of believers. That there's a, a reformation in the church that's moving us to a place of revelation. To where we begin to replicate the life of Jesus. And I'm not talking about in morality. I'm talking about in spirituality. Listen, if you're spiritual, you'll be moral. (laughs) That's, That's religion's biggest worry is that you won't live a moral life. And so religion just preaches morality at the expense of spirituality. Listen, if you're spiritual, you'll be moral. What does that mean? Spiritual means that you are being moved and controlled by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That he's working out of your spirit through your soul and through your body. If you're spiritual, you'll be moral. Problem is religion, religion just gets you all your focus just on morals. At the expense of being spiritual. Of not being spiritual. And so we've got great amounts of the body of Christ that are good old boys and good old girls and they live moral lives, but they're powerless. Oh, we we've been, we've been so focused on being moral that we present this form of godliness, but we're denying the power of it because listen, even unbelievers can live moral lives. But they can't live a spiritual life because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So they can't replicate the works of Jesus. That takes a spiritual life. Oh, man, I'm preaching way better than you're saying. That's good stuff. That's the trick of the enemy. Get you enrolled in religion so all you're focused on is your morality at the expense of spirituality. Hallelujah. So let's turn over to chapter 10, Hebrews 10. Is this all right? this moving too slow? No. Hebrews 10. It says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect, Here's the key. This is God's intent for sending Jesus. Was not to get us a ticket to heaven. It was to bring us to a place of perfection. Yes. Yes. And the word perfection doesn't mean flawless. It means mature, complete, as you were meant to be. It doesn't mean flawless. Here's the problem. We think, we see perfect, we think flawless. Oh well, God, I got to be perfect. That's not what it's saying. It's saying a place of maturity spiritually. And with those sacrifices, it can never bring us to a place of perfection. Let me say this. The law was never meant to bring you to a place of spiritual maturity. In fact, the law cannot Go read Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. It says the law treated us like children. Who had who were the heirs of the entire inheritance but they couldn't have it yet because they were too immature. And the law treats you like a child. It never gives you the ability to become a mature son of God. It treats you like a child. How do you treat a child? Do this, don't do that. It Just follow them around. Don't do that, don't do that, do this. But what does spirituality do? The Holy Spirit of God comes on the inside. I was talking to you, yes, I was. (laughs) The Holy Spirit comes inside of us and bears witness with our spirit. Of our identity first, which convinces us of who we are. And listen, your life is simply a representation of what you believe about yourself. So he teaches us who we are first, then he teaches us our inheritance and how to occupy it, how to live as a mature son so that you can walk in everything that Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection. By the Spirit of God, not by the letter of the law. Is this making sense? Okay. So the law was never meant to be a means of salvation. It was a measure of our unrighteousness and our inability to produce the righteousness of God by our own performance. Okay? So he says here, for then they would, would they not have ceased to be offered. If they could have brought people to a place of perfection, they would have ceased offering them. Okay? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. That is perfection. That's the perfection he's talking about. I can just feel people wrestling me with that. I can feel it. No more consciousness of sins. Well, if I moved into a place where I wasn't conscious of my sins, what's gonna keep me living right? (laughs) See, we're so focused on behaving, we've lost all understanding of simply being. Being. Most believers don't even think no more consciousness of sins is something to shoot at, to aim at. When this says that was the goal. (laughs) They would have had no... Here's what he's saying. If those sacrifices would have been effective, then the one who brought the sacrifice would have no more consciousness of sins. They would have embraced the fact that their sins had been forgiven and that they stood righteous in the sight of God. Oh, my goodness. Listen to this. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year, for it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when he, talking about Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Oh my goodness. God became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us for the pure reason that he would offer his body as a sacrifice to provide eternal redemption, eternal forgiveness of sin so we could come into a consciousness of a place where we were truly righteous in the sight of God, where the devil could no more lie and deceive God's people into believing something something other than what God had declared them to be from the foundation of the world and to begin to doubt the finished work of Christ, to begin to doubt the efficacy of the blood, to totally pure and save and deliver and redeem God's people out of the darkness and out of the ignorance that the devil had held them in bondage to. A body he prepared for me. That's what Jesus said. He said, sacrifice an offering you haven't desired. Why? Because they were not... They were not effective in bringing about the perfection that God desired, but they were necessary for a time to wake us up to the fact that we needed a Savior, that we didn't have the ability to live righteous and to live holy in our own strength so that we would throw ourselves on the mercy of God and we would believe on the blood of Jesus and on His sacrifice and on His death and His burial and resurrection to totally make us perfect, mature, and and whole in the sight of God so we could receive and operate in everything that he intended for the church to operate in. Hmm. Hallelujah. Check this out. Drop down to verse 10. Well, let me read verse seven, and then we're gonna go to 10. He said, then I said, behold, I have come. Aren't you glad he came? Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus came at the behest of his father to do his will, to provide the redemption that would cause God's people to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love by providing an eternal forgiveness of sins. Verse 10 says, and by that will, which is the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Sanctified means set apart. So the moment that you, the moment that you believed on Jesus, you were set apart for the purposes of God. You were set apart from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's an accomplished fact in your life. You have been set apart unto God, whether you even realize it or not, by believing on Jesus. Now he begins to make a a contrast between the old covenant priests and Jesus' ministry. And he says, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Think about that, how futile. The futility of that system was that those priests stood daily, continually offering over and over and over and over again the same sacrifices, which could never take away sin. They sacrificed millions, millions of sacrifices and they stood and did their work because there was no place for rest. They just change shifts. Next priest. (laughs) You talk about feeling like you're not making a difference in your job. (laughs) Wow. Why? Here's the thing we have to understand. These were just prophetic pictures. These were just shadows. They weren't the real thing. But this man. Oh, there's a turn. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He entered the rest of God. Why? Because he was tired from the beating? Why? Because he was tired from the crucifixion? No, because he was finished with his work. He sat down. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Listen, when he sat down, we sat down with him. Mm. You know how you stand depends on where you sit. (laughs) How you stand depends on where you're sitting. Do you know where you're at? Do you know where you're seated? Because the Bible said God raised him up and seated him at his right hand far above every principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is a name, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, gave him a name which is above every name. <laughs> Man, the enemy's obliterated. He may not be in your consciousness, but he is in the consciousness of God. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever. Man, I mean, if words mean anything, listen to that. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, don't let your religious mind get working right there because you're going to go, well, let's see, that means those who were sanctified. (laughs) I just read verse 10, said we were sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. He's talking about spiritual realities here, not your life in the flesh. Perfected forever. You need to tell yourself that. I have been perfected forever in the sight of God by the blood of Jesus. Not by my works. Man, if you want to know how good I am, ask my wife, she'll tell you. She always says he's he's a great man but he's a man. <laughs> I don't know what that means fully. <laughs> I think she needs to repent though. <laughs> Is this online? <laughs> There's my mother-in-law back there taking notes. (laughs) Man, I'm going to be in trouble before I get out of the parking lot. (laughs) That's right, brother. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, verse 15. We're going to read these few verses really quick because I want to get on to something else. But the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after he said before this is the covenant I will make with them after those days says the Lord I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds remember this is the Holy Spirit. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Listen, that doesn't mean I won't remember, like God forgot them. You know, it's because of the blood of Jesus, He doesn't remember them against you anymore. Oh, my. Verse 18 Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. What's that mean? There's none needed. Wow, wow, wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What this tells us is that we have been made perfect in righteousness. That word perfect, what it's talking about is we have been made perfectly righteous. Perfectly righteous. Now, for the sake of time, let me kind of see where I want to go from here. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And it says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He didn't die for the sanctified. He died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners. See, the love of God is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were helpless, unable to do anything about it on our own, God sent his only son, or his unique son, Uh, his perfect son, to take our place as our substitute and to die and to shed his blood to be eternal redemption, eternal forgiveness of our sins. He says in verse 9, Much more than now, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So pastor's been teaching on the blessed hope. We've been talking about the fact that the tribulation period is the wrath of God. There's your scripture right there. That because we've been justified by the blood of Jesus, we have been saved from the wrath of God. And the final wrath of God at the great white throne judgment, the believer is not subject to either one of those events. I thought you'd be more excited about that. (laughs) I know I am. What he's saying here is because we've been justified by faith in the blood of Jesus, we will not experience the wrath of God. What is that? We've been saved from the penalty of sin by the perfect sacrifice of our Savior. Saved from the penalty of our sin, which is the wrath of God. Man, that is good stuff. He says in verse 10, for, w- for if, get this, for if when we were enemies, listen, we were enemies of God. That's right. yeah. Oh, don't look at me like that. You were. Yeah. Yeah. You might've got saved when you were eight, but before that, you were a hellion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us a little harder headed than others. It took a little longer. <laughs> I saw that, Tammy. <laughs> For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, get this, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. My goodness, if God was willing to, to save us from the penalty of sin when we were his enemies. Yeah. See, this is the love of God. Yes, it is. The love of God, you know, we've got this, the world has a stupid definition of love. You know, we love the things that make us feel good. Yeah, true. But God's love is not that. God's love is not subject to circumstance. God doesn't love because of, of some lovable quality. In other words, God didn't love you because you were lovable. Yeah. As lovable as I am, that wasn't why he loved me. <laughs> oh, <what>? oh, <laughs> but God loved his enemies. And if we, can, if we can accept the fact that when we were enemies of God, that he reconciled us by offering his own son in our place, how much more can we believe I said, how much more can we believe that we are favored by God, that he is willing to deliver us from everything that comes against us in life? In fact, he already has. What he's saying is that much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Did you know that's what Christianity is? It's not a religion. It's a life. It's the fact that when we believed, God put the divine life on the inside of us that has the ability to save us from every trap of the enemy, from every effect. That sin has had on the human race. What I'm saying is that the life of God within you is your answer. It's your answer for sickness. It's your answer for disease. It's your answer for every disorder and depression and addiction that you're facing. The life of God that he put on the inside of you is the answer. It's the power that overwhelms all of the works of the enemy that he's strategized against you in his lies and his deception answer's within you. It's God's presence. It's his spirit. It's his grace. It's on the inside of you. Verse 11, and not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. <clears throat> the church needs to be a... Let's see how I say this. We've lost our rejoicing. When, when, everything, when the world's going to hell in a handbasket, what would be more of a witness to the world than a church that's rejoicing? Yeah. Filled with joy, filled with hope, filled with love, filled with peace, filled with faith, filled with... Yeah. See, we've lost it because our eyes have gotten off of the finished work of Jesus and the, the victory... Yeah that he's provided us and we're looking at all that's going wrong in the world, we need to raise our perspective. We need to begin to see things the way God sees them. Listen, whenever I come up here on this stage, I'm looking from a different perspective. Listen, God, when you get up higher, you see the things down here lower, smaller than what they actually are. Problem is our perspective has to change. Based on what Jesus has done for us, we've got to raise our ability to see life in a different kind of way, to begin to see it through the eyes of God, who sees everything finished, who sees everything completed, who sees the victory already won and the devil already defeated. He he declared the end from the beginning. We're just trying to catch up. But what he's done is he's made us righteous. The word righteous doesn't only mean uh, in right standing with God. That's part of it. But the word righteous means a man is as he ought to be. I think I wrote that down. Let me find that. The word righteous means the state of him who is such as he ought to be. The state of him who is such as he ought to be. How many of us look at ourselves and just go, man, I am just not. You're just not, you're just not basing your, your evaluation on the right thing. God says you're righteous. Yes. That means you are as you ought to be. And if you would believe that, your outward life would begin to line up with what you believe. Man, we've treated righteousness like it's an entry-level message when it is the message. We thought righteousness was just right standing with God, so that's just the revelation that gets us in the door. When righteousness means as you ought, that you're the, in the state and condition as you ought to be. That's why Paul said, you're complete in him. You are complete in him who is the head. As you ought to be. And yeah, I wish somebody embraced that tonight. Say, I am as I ought to be. In fact, in your lifestyle, where you're not living as you ought to live, the reason why is because you don't believe that you're as you ought to be. See, if you believe you're depraved, you'll live depraved. But if you believe you're righteous, you'll live righteous. More accidentally than you ever tried to do on purpose. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's the truth. Let me read you a couple things out of the Passion Translation. Thank you, Lord. Look at Romans 1, well, you probably don't have this, so I'm just gonna read them to you. Listen to Romans 1 and 17 in the Passion. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. Did you know that, like I was saying earlier, people believe you grow in righteousness? by your actions. There's only two kinds of righteousness. You are either unrighteous or you're perfectly righteous. There is no in between. If you're not perfectly righteous, I would suggest to you tonight that you need to get saved. <laughs> That's the truth. If you, because if you are not perfectly righteous, then get saved and you'll be perfectly righteous. There is no in between. Because the Bible reveals that Jesus is our righteousness. So what degree is Jesus righteous? Oh, you're going I, I have a feeling people are going re, they're going to choke on this, but if you have received the righteousness of God, you're just as righteous as Jesus. I can stand up here and say with full persuasion, I am as righteous as Jesus is. Why? Because my righteousness is not of me based on what I've produced through the law. My righteousness is of him. He is our righteousness. That means that my righteousness is of the same quality and degree as Jesus. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Boy, have we been lied to by the devil. Think about it. Give you a couple more. Look at Romans 4. Well, I keep saying look at it, but I don't think you have the passion. So I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. Just listen to this. Romans 4, verses 6 through 8. Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. When you hear God declare you righteous, that's when you become whole on the inside. Listen to this what happy fulfillment is ahead. For those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood, what happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you. I can hear somebody saying, I I can hear somebody's thinking this. So are you saying that we can just sin? That it doesn't matter if we sin or not? That's not what I'm saying. Because God doesn't hold your sins against you, but the devil sure will. So the thing to do is get convinced of what God says about you. and Start walking in the truth. In the light of your redemption. So that you're not subject to the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. That's when you find progress. You don't find progress in your striving. The Bible says that it's in our in rest. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden. Was he talking about they were tired from you know tilling the ground and sowing seeds? No. From farming? No, he said, those of you who labor and are heavy laden by religion, come to me and I will give you rest. The rest of salvation. And listen, I'll say this. The key to your wrestle with the enemy is found right in the middle of the word wrestle. It's the word rest. How do you win your wrestle against the enemy? You learn to rest in the finished work of Jesus. There's a key for somebody. You learn to rest in what he's done and quit wrestling with the enemy Concerning his accusations against you. Oh my goodness. Mm-mm. Read one more. Romans 5. Verses 1 and 2 in the Passion. It says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. I got another verse for that that's not in the Passion Translation. Colossians 1, 23 says that uh, he has presented us holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Because listen, how can he do that? Because God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, which means reality. We don't, we don't uh, fellowship with God in the physical realm. We fellowship with him spirit to spirit. He lives in our spirit. So God deals with us based on who we are, who we truly are in our spirit, which is one with Jesus. Hallelujah. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Get this. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. perfect permanent access that's what this is all about the old covenant system said what no access what does jesus finished work say unhindered unlimited access to god in fact When Jesus died on the cross and cried, it is finished, the veil that separated that from the rest of the tabernacle was torn from the top to the bottom, signifying that every person by faith now has access and intimacy, unlimited and unhindered with God, not by their perfect performance, but by the perfect performance of a Savior and a Redeemer and a Deliverer who has offered Himself to provide Provide for us eternal forgiveness of sins. So, well, can I go in there when I've sinned? That's when you really need to go in there. (laughs) My goodness. It's in his presence that you find your deliverance. It's in his presence that you find your healing. It's in his presence that you find liberty. It's in his presence... What does the Bible say in Psalms? In his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Amen. Man, David said that under the old covenant. How much more do we have the reality of that now under the new, now that Jesus has fulfilled everything that the old covenant was speaking in, in pictures, in prophecy? Yes, yes, amen. Man. Hallelujah. Man, I keep thinking, I think it's in my own head. I keep thinking, pray for people, but I really think just, just receive. Man, I just, I just sense that right now. Just receive that. Just receive that. You have it. You have that in your spirit. Receive that word right now. Receive liberty. Receive healing. Receive deliverance. Receive God's love. Receive his declaration over you that you are perfectly righteous. That there is no separation between him and you. Boldly come to the throne of grace. That you may receive mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. Amen. Thank you. Oh, just receive that. Father, right now, we just receive. Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Father, we just receive it right now. We just receive. Thank you, Father, that we are righteous, that you have made us righteous that you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us it's the great exchange you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of god in him and that you have caused us to have a permanent and perfect access to your presence father that we stand face to face with you right now father god oh that the lies of the enemy i just sense i just sense lies deceptions being broken off of people's hearts right now, that the eyes of your heart are being flooded with light, that you're beginning to see yourself the way that God sees you, righteous, holy, blameless, above reproach in his sight. Oh, I thank you, Father God. Oh, I thank you that we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, Father God. Oh, I just thank you, Father. We receive every word. We we receive your perspective over our life, Father God. Oh, I just declare these sons and daughters receiving their liberty tonight. Those of you watching online, this applies to you as well. If you have received Jesus as the Lord of your life, whatever's whatever's tormenting you, I command it to leave your life right now in the name of Jesus. I curse sickness, I curse addiction, I curse every lie of the enemy, and I command the truth of God just to be just to be illuminated in your heart. Heart right now, hallelujah. And that the truth of God make you free in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I just sense I just sense this. People reaching out to receive and they're checking themselves inspecting themselves you're inspecting the wrong thing did you know we have thousands of years of, of, of history under the old system that when they brought the sacrifice they, the priest never inspected the person they always inspected the sacrifice you're inspecting the wrong thing when you're inspecting you. You need to, what did John say? Let me get up here. Behold the Lamb of God. Oh, we're, by, because of religion, we're infatuated with, with inspecting ourselves. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Begin to inspect the lamb. That's what the priests under the old covenant did. They inspected the sacrifice every time to find that it was flawless, without spot and without blemish. Oh my goodness. Look at the the lamb of God tonight. He's without spot and without blemish. And through the new birth, you're one with him. You know what that means? As he is, so are you in this world. What's true of him is true of you. If he's without spot and without blemish, you're without spot and without blemish because of the righteousness of God that's been given to you as a free gift. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to your name, Father God hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just begin to worship the Lord. Lord, we just give you praise. As they're praying, I just want the ministers to come forward. Hallelujah. We're going to let out so that people can go, but if you're in need, of ministry tonight, you've caught a hold of the revelation and you want somebody to come into agreement with you tonight in regard to anything that's been tormenting or plaguing your life. Just want to encourage you to come forward. Let these people come into agree with you. Jesus said that if two of you on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done Amen. unto you. We've been seeing all kinds of miracles happen. In this place, don't leave hanging on to something the devil's put on you. Come up here and lay it down in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. Be sure and be here Sunday morning for a powerful time in the Lord. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.